Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. I know it's the Christmas season. Merry Christmas, by the way. Tell the person next to you, Merry Christmas. Tell them, um, tell them, I'm so glad you're sitting next to me. So glad. I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, I walked out this morning and I had to go back. I was walking my dog. I had to go back inside and put a hoodie on because it was cold. So can we just praise God for a little bit of cold weather that he graces us with down here in South Florida? But not too cold, God, not too cold, okay? I'm sure you were like, man, I get to wear my my Uggs today. If you females wear Uggs, I get to bring my coat out. You know, I got those coats that when it's below 60, I bring out and uh, I have it ready on standby. If it gets below 60, I'm ready for that. Um, Hey, here's the plan. You know, what my dad and I want to do is walk through these next two weeks and we want to hit some of these moments that are leading up to the Christmas story, the birth of, of Jesus. And it's interesting because you know, there were, there were 400 years of silence and God had not spoken. And here we find in the book of Luke, I actually want to read something to you in, in, in Mark real quick. You don't have to flip there. I'm in the wrong, wrong book. Mark chapter 1. It says the, the beginning. Somebody say the beginning. Here it is the beginning of the gospel or the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet that I will send my messenger ahead of you who will what? Prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. It's coming. These people were about to see a prophecy in the book of Isaiah fulfilled through an encounter with an angel and a man by the name of Zechariah. You see, there was an encounter with Mary that that angel showed up to Mary and said, you're going to have a son and his name's going to be Jesus. And Mary's like, really? And then Zechariah, six months prior to that encounter, has an encounter with the same angel that says, you're going to have a child. Well, not you, Zechariah, but your wife is going to have a child. Really? And his name is going to be John, and he is going to prepare the way. You know, I'll never forget, it was in 2014 that I walked out of the movie theater, and I, and I watched The Third Hobbit. I don't know if I got any Lord of the Rings fans out here today, but man, I it just, come on, let's go. We are nerds, love Lord of the Rings. Uh, I might even have a Star Wars reference for you later. Uh, they're not as great as the Bible, but I just got to say, all great movies come from the stories in the Bible, Okay. And I walked out of that, that, that movie, it was the third one, and I was so discouraged. I loved it, but I knew that there was, nothing, there was nothing else happening for Lord of the Rings and that franchise for quite some time. Just imagine the book you've read, you're waiting for the sequel. The, the, the album that you love, you're waiting for the next one. And you don't hear anything. And it's been a year, and it's been two years, and it's been three years, and it's been four years. And finally, I had somebody text me that said, Jacob, check this out. And I clicked the link, and it was news of the Lord of the Rings franchise putting out another film. 
<laughs> Come on, the good news, the anticipation. I mean, finally, finally what you wanted was coming. It was in the works. For 400 years, these people had heard nothing, nothing. God had stopped speaking. It seemed as if God had stopped moving. And then finally, here is where the moment begins. And so for the next two weeks, we've titled this series, The Good News Begins. And I've titled this morning's message for all those VLC note takers out here who want to have big homes in heaven, Zachariah and the angel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you. And it's your word that convicts and challenges, shapes us and teaches us. And I pray that we would uh, have open hearts and open minds today. Probably hearing a story that we have heard a hundred times, but would you give us a fresh new perspective of it? Help us to be better fathers and better mothers and better sons and daughters. Help us to be a better co-workers because of your reading today. In Jesus' name, everybody said in one loud voice, amen, amen, and amen. Well, no doubt today is a, a special day for, uh, I figured I'd just say one thing as, as my dad has kind of paved the way. Um, I'm very thankful for, for Victory Life Church. I'm very thankful for my dad and my mom who have um, done an incredible job. And I, and I promise you that I will forever honor them and honor what they've done and honor the sacrifices that they have made. I know they've done it for God and only for God and not for any praise of man or any praise of any person, but I hope to walk in those same steps. So dad, I love you. I know my mom is, I think she's in kids ministry, serving kids ministry. So is my wife. They're not even here today. If they're watching, they better vote, but uh, they're there serving our kids. Hey, can we give it up for our kids ministry and all our volunteers who are serving? I feel bad whoever's got one of my kids because uh, we're not speaking bad about my kids anymore. We're going to say great things. You know, it's been 400 years of silence. It's finally been broken. And I want to take you to the book of Luke, if you have your Bibles. Because um, out of all the Gospels, Luke is the only one that addresses this particular story. The Gospel of Mark, he doesn't address this encounter, nor does he even mention the birth of Christ. Um, John, the disciple, also starts off with John the Baptist, but doesn't talk about the births. Matthew is the only other one other than Luke that talks about the birth of Christ. But Luke's the only one that talks about this moment here. The prophetic word given by the angel Gabriel to a man, a priest by the name of Zechariah. And by the way, there's no question that uh, of the purpose of Luke's gospel. He's writing to a man by the name of Theophilus, and he's telling him that he wants him to be certain of the things that he knows. And so he writes carefully for the reader to understand and have an accurate and orderly narrative of the life, the ministry, and the death of Christ. And so he begins with these encounters. And what I want to do today is start in verse 5, and we're going to read a little bit, explain, and read, and explain, and read, and we'll throw some application in there. Is that all right? We're going to go verse by verse. Verse 5, let's start. The title in my book says, The Birth of John the Baptist Foretold. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. Oh, yeah, and they were both very old. Let's stop there for a moment. Zechariah and Elizabeth belonged to the priestly line, specifically the priestly division of Abijah, and they were blameless servants 
of the Lord. And they followed every command that God had commanded. Now, wait a minute, because this is interesting, because God hadn't spoken 400 years. And yet here we find two people, a priest and his wife, who are faithfully obeying words when their boss doesn't seem to be around. In fact, their father didn't know if he was around and his father didn't know if he was around. 400 years. Listen, when your boss leaves the workspace, it's like you have no idea how to work anymore. Amen. If you remember when you were kids and your parents left the household, it was like basic common sense didn't apply to you anymore. And here we find 400 years. I was talking with an individual this past week, and he said, Jacob, I'm really struggling to pray. I'm having a hard time. And I said, well, why is that? You don't know how to pray? You, you don't know what to pray? And he said, no, my prayers have not been answered in two years. And I was, I was saddened and thrown, taken back a bit. Two years. I mean, that'll cause anybody to question whether or not God is actually listening. God had been praying for things. I've got a list of things. Pastor told me to put a list together, and I've been praying for X, Y, and Z, and it's been two years. These, these people have been without the presence and the voice of God, it seemed, for 400 years. And so can we just commend Zachariah for being faithful? Come on, even when God didn't seem like he was speaking, even when God didn't seem like he was moving, even when God didn't seem like he was healing, we have people in the temple who are honoring God and who are obeying his commands. I don't obey just by what I feel or what I hear. But I obey because this is what the book said to do, and so therefore I'm going to do it regardless of whether or not I see or feel. So, so Zechariah and, and Elizabeth, to them, the credentials that were important were that of spiritual ones. However, we do find, even with your, your, the faithfulness, there didn't seem to be any fruitfulness. Because in verse 7 it says they were childless. Elizabeth was not able to conceive. Here's the point. Write, write this down if you're taking notes. Spiritual credentials do not guarantee natural blessings. Yeah, many of you thought you did. it did. Some of you thought as soon as I started, you know, showing up to church, I'd start receiving the blessings of God. As soon as I start tithing, I'd start seeing God multiplying. And if that doesn't happen and you're not rooted in this book and you're not rooted in a church, then of course you would start to question. Of course you would start to wonder, man, is God really real because I'm doing what I'm told to do and I'm not getting what I thought I was supposed to get. We have an individual and his wife who are faithful and blameless and they're serving the Lord when probably not a lot of people are willing to. And yet they have this desire that God has not met. God, you've told us to be fruitful. And you told us to multiply. And by the way, in Leviticus chapter 20, if you were a priest and you were without children, odds are, you know, they would, they would uh, correlate uh, barrenness with divine punishment. Odds are there was some significant sin that you committed. So just imagine the perception of people around them thinking, well, why is this man who is faithful and blameless, why is this woman who is faithful and blameless, why are they not seeing and receiving what they've been praying? Just because you've been acting in the spiritual does not mean that you will receive in the natural. By the way, they don't complain. Look at verse 8. It goes on to say this because they just keep serving. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now, let me give you some history here. Five times a year, these priests, including Zechariah, would show up to the temple. All the priestly divisions would gather. At this time, they would say about 18 to 20,000 people or priests would be here, all having specific duties and tasks for 
to perform rituals and things in the temple. And all these tasks weren't given out by, you know, Slack or Asana or a Google spreadsheet. They were cast by lots. And so this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah to enter into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and burn the incense on the altar. I mean, this was a daunting yet humbling task for him. And then to be in this room while hearing the multitudes of prayers outside, I mean, that's got to be terrifying, but yet exciting. And so he enters into this place because he's, he's called to do it and he's here and he's on behalf of all the people. He has, he has to pray for the nation of Israel. What do you think he prayed for? You think he had like a prayer guide? You think he had a prayer list? You think he threw in some personal requests when he went to prayer on behalf of the entire nation of Israel? You think he said, you know what, God, I have a few desires that I'd like. Let me just toss them at your feet and see if you'll answer them. I mean, why would you? You haven't spoken in 400 years. Now, he didn't say that. But I'm wondering what some of the other people did when they walked into that place. He wasn't the only priest at the time, but this was his moment. He, he was entering in to the Holy of Holies on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. And in verse 11, it says, and then the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And if you got a Bible and a pen, I know you got a pen because there was one in your seat. Underline that. Because this is the first moment here that we, were, that we find in the writings of Luke that God speaks again. Here it is. Zechariah shows up into the Holy of Holies and the angel of the Lord appears to him. This is the moment that God reveals. This is the start of the best news ever. Now, can I be honest? Because I think Zechariah was probably expecting something. Right? Once in a lifetime opportunity. I was chosen by God. You know, the, the significance of casting of the lots was that it wasn't man that would choose. It would God who would choose. That would be, you know, specifically ordained for that moment to walk into that room. And so he was picked. He's probably assuming I'm going to feel something. I'm going to experience something. I've got to. But I don't think he was ready for an angel. I don't think he was ready for that. But he was ready, and he was doing what God called him to do. And here, here, here's the point. Too many of us are looking to receive what Zechariah receives, but we're not willing to do what Zechariah does. We're not willing to step out and continue in faithfulness. We want to stop our nine to five and say, God, I just want to hear from you. God says, well, I just need you to keep doing. I need you to stay busy. Because God is often speaking to those who are doing Healthy routines might just create some spiritual revelations. Well, you know what, Jacob? Um, I'm just going to sit around and wait on God. Well, here's the thing. God is probably sitting around waiting on you. Waiting is an action. Well, you know what? I'm just, I'm just waiting to hear from him. I've got to stop all this chaos. You know, my boss just doesn't really like me, so I just need to stop working. I'm just going to sit in my house and live at home. And Well, how are you going to pay bills? How are you going to treat your, you know, your spouse? How are you going to raise your kid? Well, I'm just waiting. I'm, you might as well be a monk if you're going to sit there and wait on God like that. But yet we see Zechariah who could have said, you know what? Why am I even doing this? If God is going to speak to me, well, he can speak to me anywhere. In fact, he hadn't spoken to anyone in a long time. So why would it be me? But we find the faithfulness of Zechariah who continues to do. He continues to stay busy. It was Warren Wearsby said, it's difficult to steer a car when the engine is not running. 400 years of silence and Zechariah keeps serving, he keeps doing, he's not complaining. And in the, in the near end of his age, being faithful without seeing any fruitfulness, God shows up. It says in verse 12, when Zechariah sees the angel, 
He was startled and was gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I always wonder why angels always ask that. What do you mean, do not be afraid? Of course, I'm in the presence of some godlike nature figure. Of course, I'm going to be afraid. I've seen too many movies. I've got to be afraid. The angel says, do not be afraid. And, and here it is. Underline this. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Come on. Your prayer has been heard. I don't know if you're here today and you're praying for something. And you've been praying for years and years and years. You've been pleading on behalf of your family, on behalf of your spouse, on behalf of your kids. You are weeping and you are crying. I pray that one day you would hear the words of Zach that Zachariah heard from the angel Gabriel. Your prayers have been heard. That's all I need, God. Just tell me that you're listening. You don't have to necessarily answer that now, soon. That'd be great. But just tell me, just give me a little, just give me something that you're listening, God. Come on, how many want to know that God is listening to your prayers? Just, just let me know. Send it to my beeper. I still got that beeper, God. Send, it, send that to me if that's what you want to do. I don't have a beeper, by the way. I don't even know what one looks like. Um, but God, just, just give me something. Give me, give me something that you're listening. Zechariah hears it. He is in this room, and he is hearing your prayers have been heard. Now, you know, I was studying this a little bit, and many scholars would agree that because he was old in age, Zechariah probably stopped praying for a child. I mean, why would you? If you were in your 80s and your 90s, God, please give us a child. I just, I just don't think that's going to work. Maybe don't pray that prayer. And so many would say that he probably stopped praying for that. And so I just wonder what his response was when the angel said, your prayers have been answered. Which prayer? I'm praying on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. I'm also praying that God would send my neighbors out of this neighborhood and give me some new ones in Jesus' name. I'm also praying that my boss would give me a raise and that my husband would be a little nicer to me and clean the house. But which prayer, God? You know, it's the moment in Star Wars. Here's the Star Wars reference. It's the moment where Luke Skywalker finally returns to the sequel in The Force Awakens and he receives the lightsaber. I mean, this is the moment where the hero returns. He has the weapon to defeat the enemy. And what does he do with it? He just throws it into the water, you know? Like, that was so dumb. What would you do that? The angel, 400 years of silence, and the angel appears before Zachariah and says, Zachariah, your prayers have been answered. And he's probably scratching his head saying, which prayer? Which prayer, God? And the angel says, the prayer about your wife, Elizabeth, that you have been praying about having a child. That prayer. Now, he didn't give Zachariah any time to respond. He just keeps on going. He says, verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Verse 16 says, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make, some of you are prophesying this over your kids right now, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, I'm gonna get to Zechariah's response, but let's break this down a little bit because what is the angel Gabriel proclaiming about their son? Again, he's like, what son? I don't have a son. I'm gonna have a son. Yeah, you're going to have a son, and his name's going to be John. Well, that's the first thing we find out. His name's going to be John. Man, that would be great if the angels showed up when me and my wife were discussing what kind of names we wanted for our kids, just to tell us. That would have saved us of a lot of heartbreak, saved us of a lot of arguments. 
Come on, anybody can relate. I mean, you know, my name that I wanted was right. Her name was wrong. And God, if you would have showed up and just convinced her that the name that I wanted, just next time you're having a kid and you're looking for a name, just say, God, would you send us an angel to tell us? Secondly, we find out that he was never to drink, similar to the call on Samson's life. Thirdly, John was set apart even before birth. This is interesting. Because the scripture says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what you have to understand is in the Old Testament, there was always a, a, a coming upon with the Holy Spirit. And then when Jesus would come, there now became a filling of the Holy Spirit. And it started here with John. There would be a filling. The, the Holy Spirit was at work even at the infant stage of you. Not just when you got saved. Not just when you got old. Not just when you started reading your Bible. But before you were even born, the scripture says that he knew you. He had a purpose for you. He had a plan for you. Clearly, John had a plan. He was, he was set apart. And then fourthly, in verse 16, it says, here's what he's going to do. He's going to bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, now what is he saying here? Because it goes on to say to turn the hearts of the parents of their children into the disobedience of the wisdom of the righteous. Well, what does this mean? Well, you have to go back. This is just so interesting. Remember, this is the very first words of God now spoken in the New Testament. But 400 years ago, what were the last words of God spoken in the book of Malachi? And we studied Malachi. We went through Malachi. Let me go back to, to what Malachi says um, in the very last chapter, in the very last words of Malachi. It says in verse 5 of chapter 4, See, I will send you the prophet of Elijah. Before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, verse 6, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Come on, the Bible is good. Amen. We are seeing a prophecy fulfilled right here in this scripture, in the book of Luke. This is, this is what John would begin to do. And it's interesting because Jesus talks about this at the Mount of Transfiguration. His disciples are there, and they see what happens, Moses and Elijah, and they're like, Jesus, why do the teachers of the law keep talking about, well, this guy, Elijah, has to, to come first? And Jesus responds in Matthew 17. He says, but I tell you, he's already come. And they didn't even recognize him. And they have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. And then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. John set apart, filled with the Holy Spirit, would bring revival to the people who thought they had already belonged to God and they didn't. He's bringing them back. And it would be the nation of Israel that would need to hear this message of repentance and conversion first. It had to go to them first. Before it could go anywhere else, John would prepare the way. Zechariah, this is your son. My son? And here's where we get to his response. And I don't want you to judge Zechariah because let's be honest, if you were in this situation and I was in this situation, we'd probably say the same thing. So here's what he says in verse 18. He says, how can I be sure of this? For I am an old man. You know, my dad always says, don't say old, say older. For he is an older man. And my wife, is also, well, he didn't say old. This is a good husband right here. Take notes. She is well along in years. And the angel said, I love this. 
He's like, I am Gabriel. You know, he's like, I am an old man. And the angel's like, well, I am an angel. <laughs> are we done talking about who we are? Don't you know who I am? You've been praying for me. You've been talking about me. You've been representing me. This is who I am. I know who you are. I know you are old. And I know your wife is old as well. I am an angel. And he says, and I stand. Notice that he didn't say I stood. He says, I stand in the presence of God. You are, Zechariah, in the presence of God. I am? Yes, you are. And he says, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Wow. Great. Well, now it's not going to be so great for you because here's also what I have to say. And now you will be silent. And all the wives said, amen. And you will not be able to speak until this day. Actually, my wife doesn't like when I'm silent. She wants me to speak. So it'd be the opposite. If the woman was silent, all the men would say, no, oh man, you failed. You shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I, I said amen in my head too. He says, and, and now you will be silent and you will not be able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Remember, Zachariah is old in age. He's not, he's not an atheist. He's just being rational. He's just saying, well, this really doesn't make sense because the process of generation is long gone. To reverse this natural process of decay and to bring about this ability of development in the womb would take a miracle. Well, Zachariah, here I am. I'm an angel. I'm standing in your presence, standing in the presence of God. This is a miracle. Why wouldn't you believe that? He didn't believe. He, he, had a lack, he had a lack of belief while standing in the presence of an angel, which was a miracle. What was he not seeing? Well, I can tell you what he was seeing. I can tell you what he was looking at. Not the angel. Not what the angel was saying. But he was looking at his circumstance. He was looking not by faith, but he was looking by sight. Because having a son would be impossible. Here's the point. Don't allow your seeing to dictate God's doing. But God, this is what I see. God says, I know what you see, but this is who I am, and this is what I'll do. Have you put limitations on me, Zechariah? Your circumstances do not dictate what I can and can't do. Can I remind you what I did? Oh, they saw an ocean? I said, I'll part it. Oh, they needed some more daylight in the sky? I'm going to make the sun stand still. Oh, this man can't walk? Just watch me speak. This man can't see? Somebody give me some dirt. Oh, we can't feed all these people? Somebody give me that boy's lunch over here. Now, just watch what I can do, church. Nothing is impossible for God. So why are you allowing your circumstance to dictate what God can and can't do? But God, you just don't know. We are old in age. Don't you remember what I did with Abraham and Sarah? When Abraham was like, God, you promised me that I would have descendants as much as the, the sand and the sea and the stars in the sky, but I don't have a son. Oh, Abraham doubted. And now Zechariah must have forgotten what God was doing. Maybe today, that's all you needed to know. That's all you needed to hear in the scripture is that nothing is impossible for God. And I know you, I know you think that it's not going to happen. I know you think that it can't happen. And I know everything around you and science around you is telling you that it can't happen. But can I tell you who invented science? God. If he did it then, he can do it again. Because you didn't believe when I said so, Zechariah, you won't be able to speak until I say so. 
Now, if you fast forward a little bit in chapter one, and my dad's gonna talk about this next week, the encounter with Mary. Um, Mary has a different response, but she also questions. Mary, you're gonna be with child. Mary, Mary's issue wasn't that she was old. Mary's issue was that, well, she hadn't been with a man, so how could that have been possible? But the difference between Mary and Elizabeth, you see, or, or Mary and, and Zachariah, is Zachariah um, was questioning the process or, or, sorry, Mary questioned the process, and Zechariah was questioning the legitimacy. And because he was questioning the legitimacy, well, he was judged. Mary just was like, okay, how's this going to work? Because I haven't been with a man. And, and uh, uh, Zechariah was like, well, this cannot work, because I am old, and my wife is also old. You see, faith is blessed, but unbelief is judged. You see, if I want to be blessed, then i got to have faith. But if I want to be judged, then I'm going to have unbelief, if that's what you want. You want to be judged? Well, have some unbelief. If you want to be blessed, have some faith. We're going to see that Mary next week was blessed. One writer put it this way, even in this situation that Zachariah faces, unbelief faces divine discipline. The angel said, since you don't believe now, you won't be able to speak. This is happening regardless of whether or not you believe, Zachariah. This is happening regardless of what you see. Your unbelief will not dictate what God can or can't do. You need to know that. But you also need to know, before you have that unbelief, that it's just way better to believe. It's way better to believe in the impossible. It's way better to believe in the things that you can't see. It's way better to believe in that. That is faith, believing in seeing things that are unseen. It doesn't make sense to the world. It doesn't have to make sense. It makes sense in my spirit because God is real. And so I'm going to believe rather than not believe. It goes on to say in verse 21, let's continue. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Of course, he's having an encounter with an angel. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. So my kids trying to tell me what they need. I have no idea what we need. Now that I have one that's five, we tell him to interpret can you be the interpreter of this tongue? Because I have no idea what this tongue means over here. So they have no idea what this man is saying because he can't speak. It says, when the service in verse 23, when the time of his service was completed, he returned home. And here's where the, the promise of God was fulfilled. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown favor and has taken away my disgrace among the people. I don't think any of us would have thought that this would have been the way God would have showed up. This may not have been how the script would have been written if somebody else was writing it. But even in this darkness, even in this silence, even in 400 years of apparent absence, church, I need you to know that God was still at work. God was still moving. God was using unordinary people. It wasn't like Zechariah was this was, was the head priest, or Zechariah was the guy in charge, or Zechariah was, was the king, or, or, or the leader of the nation. He was just one of 20,000 priests who happened to show up, who happened to get his name picked out. Coincidence or a divine appointment? We've got to stop using that word coincidence. Faith doesn't work on coincidence. Faith doesn't work on luck. Man, let me just see if that works out for me. Let me just flip the deck of cards and see if I pick the right card. Some of you, that's how you're living your life. Come on, God, I need a scripture. I need a scripture. I need a scripture. 
I need another scripture, God. That was one, one for me. That was for my sister. I need another scripture. It's like that, that's not how faith works. Man, I believe in and I believe in God's timing. That's the thing. That God ultimately is in charge of time. And he would tell me when it's time. And he told the nation of Israel when it was time for him to speak. Man, the religious leaders are so stuck to their tradition. King Herod was in charge. He was a tyrant, killing people, killing his own people, killing his own family. And then God was like, it's time. It's time. There's a, there's a faithful, blameless couple. One of them's serving in the, in the temple. They're off on the hillside. You know, I don't think it, they were chosen before Mary was chosen because Elizabeth happened to be the cousin of Mary. And so six months before this angel shows up to Mary, shows up to Zachariah in the temple, who was being faithful, who was blameless in his walk, who hadn't heard from God in a very long time. In fact, he hadn't even heard stories of people who have heard from God. I think it may have been a distant memory of somebody one day hearing. And yet the angel shows up and speaks. And can I, can I just fast forward? Chapter one, by the way, is a very long chapter. If you're like, man, that's long. It's like the third longest chapter in the Bible, by the way, in, in, in regards to verses. Can I give you Zachariah's response? This is, this is interesting. Because John the Baptist is born. They have, the, they have the child. Six months before Jesus would be born, John's cousin. And I want you to notice the words of John. And go back with me if you have kids, what it was like when you first had that child. And I remember weeping and crying and uh, I remember saying, you know, like, wow, God is good. And dang, that is a beautiful baby. Takes after his mom. And John, uh, Zachariah gets to experience this. Now, meanwhile, he can't talk, remember? He just kind of, I don't know if he can mumble. He's just making signs or whatever. And they have a child. And I want you to notice his response. This is verse 67. His father, Zachariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. He said, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and he has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant of David. And he has said through his prophets long ago that salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers. And here it is, and to remember his holy covenant. Do you know Zechariah's name in the Hebrew means Yahweh remembers? So who do you think God chose to speak for the very first time? Somebody who is praying on behalf of an entire nation who is being murdered and killed for their faith and then being told by the religious establishment that they have to keep doing better and doing better and doing better when they were hypocrites themselves? And here we have Zechariah who says, God remembered. He, he remembered his covenant. He remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, verse 74, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. I want you to know something. This man has not said one thing about his son yet. He hasn't said anything about his son that they've been praying for for I don't know how many years. They finally have a kid and the first words out of his mouth and he says, praise be to God because he has a plan that I cannot see. This is part of something bigger than I can't see. This is part of something that is gonna redeem the entire nation and the world. God 
You are good. He didn't say one thing about, he's so consumed with this Messiah that he doesn't even know who it is yet. He doesn't know his name. And here he is thinking, I'm, I'm so obsessed with this Jesus. I'm so passionate about this Jesus. I don't even know about this Jesus yet, but here I am saying, God, you remembered us and you're sending your son who's gonna save us. What is he explaining? He's saying, it's like, it's like the army is taken captive. And at the very last few moments before death, the savior on the white horse arrives and frees everybody. That's what he's expressing here. That's what he's explaining. He didn't know what to say other than say, God, I thank you and I praise you and I love you and I am passionate about you. And now in verse 76, after eight verses of talking to God, he talks about his son. He says, and you, John, my child, will be called a prophet of the most high. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Could you imagine God giving you a son that would prepare the way for Jesus? that would prepare the way for somebody else to do great things. He's not saying, my son is gonna be the, the redeemer of the world. He says, my son gets to prepare the way for the redeemer of the world. My, my son is gonna be called the prophet of the most high. And Mary's told that Jesus would be the power on the most high. So my son is the prophet of the most high, who's preparing the way for the Messiah, who's the power of the most high. In verse 77, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. God had not spoken in 400 years and now he speaks. And now he declares. And here's what he says. He says, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I still got work to do. I still got things to do. You read about my healing, I'm gonna heal again, just watch. You read about my moving, I'm gonna move again, just watch. You read about all my restoration in the Old Testament, just watch, I'm gonna bring some more restoration today. Oh, you, you're asking for the power of God, just watch, because the power of my son is about to rock and shake this nation. Just watch and be ready because the same God you worship then is the same. Come on, if you believe that, would you stand to your feet all across this place? Come on, the same God that you worship then is the same God that you're gonna worship now. He is still moving. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left you out to dry, but he's gonna move like he moved before. He's gonna do like he did before. He's gonna say things like he said before. And he starts here in this moment with John the Baptist who will prepare the way for Jesus the Messiah. Come on. He's the same. He's the same. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.